the Ulster Economics Podcast. The podcast that keeps you up to date with what is happening economy-wise in Northern Ireland. Telling you what you need to know, but not necessarily what you want to hear. It is better to be prepared for the economic environment we're operating in and not the world we would like to be in. Episode 17, The Great Omission. Last week's spring statement was initially supposed to be little more than an update on economic and fiscal forecasts. However, it had been overtaken by events, namely the cost of living crisis. Last month's podcast, Vlad the Invader's Price Premium, highlighted that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has made a bad situation much worse from a cost of living perspective. As a result, it was assumed that the Chancellor, or Santa Sunak as he was dubbed during the first 18 months of the pandemic, would soften the blow for households and potentially businesses. Spoiler alert, the response was underwhelming to say the least, and it was more Ebenezer Scrooge than Santa Claus. First, let's look at the economic outlook. Not surprisingly, economic growth for 2022 and 23 have been slashed. For example, The UK economy is expected to grow at at just 3.8% this year, down from 6% forecasted back in October last year. Meanwhile, projections for inflation have moved in the opposite direction. The government's independent adjudicator, the Office for Budget Responsibility, or OBR, expects CPI, consumer price inflation, to top 9% this autumn, which is the highest rate since the early 1980s. Inflation for this year is set to average 7.4% and 4% next year. Remember, the Bank of England's inflation target is 2%. These forecasts aren't surprising and indeed came on the same day that we learned that February's CPI hit 6.2%. But it frames the stark reality of the scale of the cost of living crisis we now face. Indeed, the OBR said 2022 will see the biggest annual fall in living standards since 1956 and the biggest fall in real earnings in a single year since the 1970s. In terms of the policy measures announced, as expected, there was a temporary cut in fuel duty, an estimated £3.30 per 55 litre tank of petrol. This is welcome, but the 5p per litre reduction announced by the Chancellor was the minimum that was anticipated and is smaller than the corresponding reductions in other European countries. Plus, at the time, it was assumed it would only take petrol and diesel prices back to where they were the previous week. But many motorists have failed to see any reduction in prices whatsoever, and it appears to be back to square one again. Even with the fuel duty cut, the UK will still be bringing in more revenue from fuel duty than it did a year ago due to the scale of price increases experienced. Perhaps the most significant announcement concerned national insurance contributions. There had been calls for the deferral of the planned 1.25 percentage point hike that is due to come into effect next week. This was not forthcoming. But the Chancellor did the next best thing by softening the impact of the planned tax rise, particularly for those on lower incomes. This was done by aligning the national insurance contribution lower threshold with the personal income tax allowance. This will initially more than compensate about 70% of workers for the national insurance increase coming in April. Around 30% of workers, though, will still pay more tax despite this change. Employers also lose out on the national insurance front with the planned tax hike going ahead for them as planned next week. 
Overall, Rishi Sunak tried to position himself as a tax-cutting chancellor. He provided two years of notice that the basic rate of income tax will be reduced from 20% to 19% in April 24, just one month ahead of the general election. In the meantime, though, the income tax thresholds will be frozen for the next four years, meaning more and more people will be dragged into higher tax bans as inflation lets rip. It is also worth noting that despite the Chancellor's latest tax cuts, the overall tax burden is still rising and projected to be the highest tax burden since 1950. The biggest surprise of the spring statement didn't concern what was in it, but rather what was left out. Welfare benefits are set to rise by just 3.1% next month. This was the rate of inflation in September last year, which always determines the annual uplift. This will represent a significant cut in real terms, and many therefore expected the Chancellor to operate these welfare benefits by a rate that better reflected current inflation rates. Remember, the projection is 7.4% for 2022. Clearly, the Chancellor is prioritising support for people in employment to incentivise more people into work. There will be significant increase in 2023, given that September 22 will see inflation at almost double digits, but the cost of living squeeze will be significant until then. Northern Ireland will benefit from last week's spring statement through the Barnett formula to the tune of around £47 million, according to the Treasury, although the Department of Finance argue it will be several millions less than this. This is on top of the £300 million previously allocated following the Chancellor's household support for energy costs. These funds are expected to be earmarked for targeting Northern Ireland's cost of living crisis. This means that whoever takes on the community's ministerial portfolio after the Assembly elections in May will be under the microscope like never before. The inflation outlook is also bad news for public expenditure. It means that money allocated for public services won't stretch as far as it otherwise would have. The next finance minister will have to determine pay settlements in the highest inflationary environment since the Northern Ireland Assembly came into existence. Selling 2-3% to pay rises when CPI is set to top 9% is a tough ask. Clearly, if pay was to rise in line with inflation, this would result in a severe squeeze in public expenditure elsewhere. We have already seen much in the news about industrial action, and the conditions are there for this to intensify in the months ahead. The great omission, that is, doing nothing for those on welfare benefits and those on the lowest incomes, played extremely badly in the media. The spring statement was tone deaf to the scale of the cost of living crisis and the plight of the poorest in society. The front page headlines of various newspapers summed up the mood. Is that it? Thanks for nothing? The up yours mini budget? Biggest hit to living standards since age of rationing? And Sunak told he must do more for millions facing poverty. And it is the expected surge in poverty that is extremely concerning from a Northern Ireland perspective. A report by the Joseph Rowntree Foundation earlier this month reminded us of the state of poverty locally pre-pandemic. One in five Northern Ireland households lived in poverty. One in 14 experienced food insecurity. And four in 10 single parent families are in poverty. And a very worrying statistic was that uh, 45% of people in Northern Ireland were living in a household with less than £250 of savings. 
This was the situation before the biggest annual fall in living standards since 1956 hits. Clearly, things are going to get worse before they get better. So what is the incoming economic data telling us? Northern Ireland's manufacturing and services output continued to rise further above their respective pre-pandemic levels in the fourth quarter of last year. Despite an Omicron-induced fall in sales within the wholesale and retail trade, accommodation and food sector, services output overall hit a new record high. That was due to strong growth in business services and finance, alongside a record high in transport, storage, information and communication. That's basically logistics and ICT. Manufacturing's modest output growth in the final quarter ended a good year. Local manufacturing enjoyed its strongest rate of expansion in a decade, although that conceals an unbalanced recovery. Spare thought for manufacturers of transport equipment, for example aerospace, where output is still 40% below pre-pandemic levels. With concerns over COVID-19 fading fast, Northern Ireland's private sector posted a surge in business activity in February. That's according to the Ulster Bank Northern Ireland PMI. Output hit an eight-month high, with all four sectors recording growth for the first time since June last year. New orders rose at their fastest pace in seven and a half years, with construction, the only one of the four sectors monitored, failing to record a rise in new orders in February. Despite robust demand, employment growth slowed to a 12-month low, with Northern Ireland posting the slowest rate of job creation of the 12 UK regions. Clearly, firms are struggling with skill shortages and are finding it difficult to get suitable candidates to help meet the demand. Manufacturing was the best performer at a sector level by a significant margin. Manufacturing output and orders expanded at record rates, while manufacturing firms continue to increase their headcounts to cope with burgeoning order books and mounting backlogs. February's PMI report was very encouraging, However, the economic outlook has changed drastically with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Commodity prices have rocketed and an unprecedented array of sanctions have been imposed on Russia. Businesses therefore face a new source of supply chain disruption. Clearly, the primary concern is with the people of Ukraine and the severe situation that they face. But businesses and households here in Northern Ireland are also set to be impacted by the situation too most particularly through the rampant inflation in energy and food prices, as well as the general uncertainty. Turning to the labour market, Northern Ireland's labour market continues to churn out an encouraging set of statistics. The number of people claiming unemployment-related benefits fell for the 12th month running in February. This is now 38% below the recent peak. This is now 38% below the recent peak in May 2020, but it is still 30% above the pre-pandemic count. Meanwhile, the number of employees on Northern Ireland's payrolls hit a fresh record high of over 777,000. That was marked the ninth consecutive month of a record high. This represented an increase of 5.4% year-on-year, with the total number of employees on local payrolls almost 25,000 or 3.3% above pre-pandemic levels. That represents the strongest employment performance of any UK region. Northern Ireland's payroll wage growth is also outperforming the UK. Median earnings increased by 6.3% year-on-year in February. That was marginally above the rate of CPI inflation. But going forward, earnings and inflation are set to diverge. 
While the total number of employees in Northern Ireland's payrolls is back above pre-pandemic levels, it has been an unbalanced recovery. In numerical terms, the recovery has been driven disproportionately by the public sector. Education and health and social work account for over half of the gain in jobs relative to March 2020's pre-pandemic level. Another survey, the Quarterly Employment Survey, released earlier this month, highlighted that the number of employee jobs hit a record high in December last year, but it too revealed an unbalanced recovery. The private sector has recouped only 70% of the jobs it lost following the pandemic, while the public sector sees employment at a 10.5-year high. Finally, in the labour market, one indicator worth keeping an eye on is redundancies. These have been very subdued of late. For example, just 40 were confirmed in February, but 210 were proposed, and this represents the highest proposed redundancies figure since last July. Rising economic inactivity has been a trend over the last year or so too. As the cost of living crisis intensifies, we may well see an increasing number of individuals who can work return to the labour market. Furthermore, the squeeze on welfare benefits will incentivize more people into work. The great reopening continues in the tourism industry, and last month saw Belfast saw the first cruise ship of the year dock. Indeed, it was the first time a cruise ship has arrived on these shores during the month of February. Only one ship docked during the entire year in 2020, with 72 last year. This year is expected to be better still, though getting back to 2019's high of 167 will take a while. It is a similar story for passengers by air. 2021 saw a 36% year-on-year rise in air passenger traffic through Northern Ireland's three airports, but last year's total was still 64% below 2019 levels. The good news is that accessing Northern Ireland by air, and indeed getting out of Northern Ireland, will be easier with Flybee making a return and launching new air routes for 2022. Hotel occupancy levels are also set to rise this year. January saw an occupancy rate of 35%, with over 105,000 rooms sold. That is 30% below January 2019 levels, but was still a respectable performance as it exceeded the corresponding month in 2016. There are some signs that the tourism industry is returning to pre-pandemic normality, with sightings of Cape Crusaders in Strangford on Game of Thrones tours. Northern Ireland's product offering for GOT fans has improved significantly with the recent opening of the Game of Thrones studio tour in Bambridge. At the start of the year, the hospitality industry was optimistic about the year ahead. After all, the impact of COVID-19 has waned, with the impact expected to be non-existent come the third quarter, which is the busiest time for the tourism and hospitality sector. But China's continued zero-tolerance COVID policy measures means that this year is unlikely to see the high-spending Chinese tourists visiting these shores in sufficient numbers. March has seen further outbreaks of COVID-19 in China. But the cost of living crisis will weigh heavily on the minds of hoteliers and their would-be customers. Last summer, the local tourist industry effectively had a captive staycation market, given options abroad were limited. COVID restrictions in the Republic of Ireland also meant that there was an additional boost from visitors from the south. Whereas this year should see a more familiar summer exodus to sunnier climes, 
But given the depletion in pandemic savings, coupled with the cost of living squeeze, a significant number of people may opt for the old school staycation of Costadel Back Garden. Northern Ireland's car dealers were anticipating a significant pickup in new car sales this year as supply chain disruptions, particularly for semiconductors, eased. However, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is adding a new layer of supply chain disruption. Ukraine is a key supplier of auto parts, including cable harnesses. A shortage of components has led several manufacturers, including BMW, Porsche, Volkswagen and Mercedes-Benz, to cut production. This means 2022 is shaping up to be another poor year for new car sales, with no meaningful recovery expected. Remember, 2020 and 2021 have been the two worst years for car sales on record. February did see a 2% year-on-year rise in new car sales locally, but sales volumes were still 24% below the corresponding month in 2020. Last week, a local dealer informed me that many customers waiting for orders will have to wait until next year due to the disruption in Ukraine. One model of an electric vehicle has been removed from its Belfast showroom as the lead time is now 19 months. Sky-high petrol and diesel prices are fueling demand for electric vehicles, but supply cannot currently keep up with demand. I have had an electric charger installed at home since last October, but my car, ordered in July 2021, is now not expected until the end of July this year. The low sales volumes in new car sales mean a lack of supply into the used car market and high second-hand car prices. February saw UK second-hand car prices rise at a record 30.6% year-on-year. Prices have been going one way in Northern Ireland's residential property market for almost three years. Over the last 11 quarters, the cumulative price gain has been 17.5%. Not bad if you're on the property ladder, not good if you're aspiring to get on it. But is this period of growth coming to an end? Prices increased by just 0.1% quarter-on-quarter in the final quarter of last year. That's the weakest rise since the first lockdown. On an annual basis, prices are rising at 7.9% and they are still outpacing consumer price inflation, for now. Interest rate rises coupled with an intensifying cost-of-living crisis will buffet the housing market like the rest of the economy. But a shortage of supply will provide support for prices. Nevertheless, we should still see house price growth slow significantly to low single digits over the course of the next 12 months or so. It is noted that the Office for Budget Responsibility projects UK house price growth to slow from 7.4% this year to 1.3% next year. Northern Ireland's housing market has been characterised by a mismatch between supply and demand, with the latter exceeding the former. That's according to the results from February's RICS and Ulster Bank Residential Market Survey. And this lack of supply is impacting sales, which were reported to be flat during February. It also appears to be continuing to impact on prices, pushing up values, with most survey respondents pointing to ongoing price increases. Following last year's 14-year high, residential property sales are expected to fall by around 20 to 25% in 2022. That is back below pre-pandemic levels. Residential transactions have already recorded year-on-year declines in each of the last five months to February. Conversely, non-residential transactions, which is industrial and commercial property transactions, continue to hold up well, 
with February marking the best February for transactions in 14 years. The recent interest rate rises coupled with the cost of living crisis will impact on the affordability calculations for many would-be movers. For example, homeowners and renters will not have failed to notice that the price of domestic home heating oil doubled in the space of just two weeks following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But these issues are likely to have a less effect on the largest and most expensive properties. Looking ahead, tax rises will be a key theme in April. These include the VAT rate for the hospitality sector will return to its pre-pandemic level of 20%. National insurance contributions go up and the construction industry and manufacturers will no longer benefit from cheaper red diesel. The impact of the war in Ukraine will continue to be the focus of attention, particularly in commodities markets and on supply chain disruption. On the commodity front, we have already had Germany and Austria planning for energy rationing if Russia refuses to accept payments for gas other than in rubles. Volatility in the energy market is likely to continue, with talk of the rationing of diesel in the coming months likely to intensify. Local households are still recovering from the shock of seeing the price of home heating oil double in the space of two weeks, and it has fallen back, but will it push higher again in the coming months? Rising food prices and shrinking chocolate bar sizes are expected to feature more prominently in the news agenda, with fears of a global food crisis mounting as a result of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. And we will be unveiling the annual Ulster Fry Index for 2022. The March PMI for Northern Ireland is likely to see a resurgence in input costs and output price inflation. Higher inflation will be the major theme with UK consumer prices pushing towards 7% for March. And signs of increased supply chain disruption are likely to feature in the incoming PMIs at home and abroad. Finally, with economic growth forecasts being slashed, we're likely to hear more chatter on whether the global economy, the Eurozone, the UK, etc. will experience a recession later this year. Whether that comes to pass remains to be seen, but even if a recession is avoided, the outlook is pretty miserable. As Andrew Bailey, the Governor of the Bank of England, stated this week, the UK faces an income shock worse than anything that occurred in the 1970s in a single year. So whether the UK or Northern Ireland economies experience two consecutive quarters of contraction in GDP, the definition for a technical recession, that won't change the harsh reality. Until next time, I am Richard Ramsey, and this was episode 17 of the Ulster Economics podcast, The Great Omission. You can stay up to date by following us on social media and checking out the Ulster Economics blog.